I use my subscription through the New York Public Library. And this is a hot tip also for any listeners who are New York State residents. You can have a New York Public Library card and a Brooklyn Public Library card, even if you are not in the city. More hot tips and a slew of Catskills-based book recommendations on this week's CatsCast with local bookworm Kelly Huggins. Stay tuned. CatsCast is sponsored by the 52-mile Catskill Mountain Scenic Byway, following New York State Route 28 through the heart of the central Catskills. For maps, itineraries, and links to area restaurants, shops, and accommodations, visit scenickatskills.com. And by The Mountain Eagle, covering Delaware, Green, and Schoharie counties, including brands for local regions like the Wyndham Weekly, Schoharie News, and Catskills Chronicle. For more information, call 518-763-6854 or email mountaineaglenews at gmail.com. Winter in the Catskills is a great time to curl up with a good book, and Kelly Huggins has no shortage of suggestions. We met up at her home in Delaware County, where she shared some of her latest picks. Kelly Huggins, I first met you through the Catskill Center, where you were a visitor experience coordinator. And relevant to this conversation, a curator of their Catskill Bookstagram page, which said, Each week, our visitor experience coordinator, Kelly, brings you a new book in her quest to read all things Catskills. You left that Catskill Center position in 2022, but has the quest to read all things Catskills continued? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I started that project at the Visitor Center out of personal interest. I realized I was reading a lot of books set here, and not even intentionally. There was just a slate of new fiction in particular that was set here. And when I started to look for other books set in the Catskills, I realized how many there were. And I pitched it as a series as we were looking to revamp some of our social media. Yeah, it's it stayed with me. Uh, it's uh, kind of my personal passion project. So there are, of course, many nonfiction books about the Catskills, but you focused on fiction. How much of a role do the Catskills have to play in order for you to consider it a Catskills book? I'm pretty liberal with my definition of Catskills. In my mind, something at least significant in the book has to happen in the Catskills, some kind of connection. When I was doing the series for the Visitor Center, I had books that I would put a little disclaimer on to say there's only a brief section here, but it is significant. Uh, One of those was The Other Black Girl, which was a new thriller that came out last year or the year before. The majority of it takes place in New York City, but there is a pretty significant portion that takes place in and around Catskill. So I figured it was my series, my rules. So I counted that one. Okay, so looking at some books on your list, there's no indication from the cover or even the flap copy on some of these that the Catskills are featured. I'm looking at one book you sent me called Just Like Mother by Anne Heltzel. It's a mystery thriller with a really creepy doll head on the jacket, and nothing about the cover says Catskills. So how do you even find the books that don't look Catskills, but perhaps feature them in the narrative? So I have a couple of methods. All of them are probably more obsessive than the average person would want to get. So one is I just subscribe to a lot of book email lists, 
so every day I'm getting kind of book blurbs in my email, uh, just out of personal interest. Also, there's a great tool through a lot of public libraries called Novelist. I use my subscription through the New York Public Library. And this is a hot tip also for any listeners who are New York State residents. You can have a New York Public Library card and a Brooklyn Public Library card, even if you are not in the city. I did not know that until only a few years ago. I use it through the New York Public Library, and it's a really powerful search tool. And you can search by genre, you can search by keyword, all sorts of things. They give you recommendations of similar books. So periodically, I will do a Catskills keyword search. And that is a great way for bringing up really obscure things, as long as it's somewhere tagged in there. Some of them have also been recommendations. So once I started doing this, people would send me, oh, you should read this one too. So it's a pretty comprehensive list, but I'm sure there are ones that I'm missing also. Can you give a little history behind Catskills fiction? Most people know about Rip Van Winkle and early Catskills tale by Washington Irving. How did the Catskills fiction begin and what were some of those key titles? So Western fiction really begins with Rip Van Winkle. So Washington Irving setting that in the the early 1800s, then very soon after James Fenimore Cooper, who wrote The Pioneers and multiple other books. Those two are really, I hate to say, the the fathers of early Catskills fiction, both with Rip Van Winkle and Natty Bumbo. And those are very much sort of set and rely on this idea of this sort of untamed wilderness. But not too long after that, as we, we know through Catskills history, we start to see a lot of tourism, a lot of development. And with that changes some of the ways that people are representing the area in books. So by the end of the 19th century, you start to see books like the Catskills Fairies and kind of other pieces that are a lot less man survives the elements. By the 20th century, there is a lot more uh, science fiction, particularly in the early part of the century. A lot of that fiction isn't being published as books. It's being published in pulp magazines. Actually, there are two H.P. Lovecraft stories set in the Catskills. Uh, He didn't think fondly of the area and its inhabitants, but they're there. Then when you get to the Borscht Belt era, you see more fiction. Obviously, set in the Borscht Belt becomes an important subject matter for representation of Jewish authors and communities in fiction. Then it just sort of snowballs from there, really, in the latter half of the 20th century and really up until a few years ago, where we've seen a lot more books in really all genres, romance, horror, mystery. There's a lot to choose from now. Is there a resurgence in Catskills tales recently? And would there be a genre that's most associated with Catskills fiction at this time? There has been, as far as I'm concerned, and and what my spreadsheet shows, (laughs) for adult fiction. Really, in the last five years, I've been seeing a lot more titles coming out. And what is interesting to me is a lot of them fall into mystery, thriller, and horror instead of literary fiction, though I do hate to sometimes make distinctions between genre fiction and literary. Those are pretty arbitrary borders. There are actually multiple mystery series, everything from cozy mysteries to more hard-boiled detective mysteries, and multiple horror stories, you know, really 
making use of isolation in in this area. So I think with a little bit of a resurgence in tourism in this area, we've also seen kind of that mirrored in in fiction. I was on a watershed tour with Lizzie Mogul, and I can put a link to that series in the show notes. And uh, you were a speaker on one of those tours and referenced some books that specifically deal with former reservoir towns and some uh, mystery that comes from from that history. Can you talk about those books in particular? Of course. Yeah, those are three of the books that I find most interesting in this resurgence. Over the last few years, there have been, I, I would classify all three of them as horror, and I think their authors would as well. Three horror fiction novels about the reservoirs. Two are specifically about the Ashokan, and then one is an imagined Catskills Reservoir called the Chilliwaukee, but still draws very much from real history. One of those Ashokan ones is John Langan's The Fisherman, and he is a local author kind of in this area. And that follows two grieving widowers who have bonded over their shared loss, but also over a love of fishing. And they come up to the Catskills and have a fishing trip that goes very wrong. And there is a lot of flashback to explain what's happening to them that dates back to the creation of the Ashokan Reservoir. So that's one if you are interested in that history. Obviously, I don't personally believe there was a supernatural bent to the creation of the Ashokan, but you do get a really nice feel for what that displacement was like. And it ends up being a really potent metaphor for grief in that book. The other book about the Ashokan deals with the lost town of Olive, and it's a YA book called Imaginary Girls, and it's by Nova Rensuma. And that one follows a relatively dysfunctional set of sisters and a girl who drowned or maybe didn't drown in the Ashokan. That there is some sort of supernatural pull with this lost town under the water. Now that one definitely plays with some of the myth a little bit more about there still being buildings under the water, which if you know about the construction of the reservoirs, you know that there might be an occasional foundation or something, but things were demolished. They didn't just flood the towns as they were. Uh, so that's a nice one. I think it reads also kind of adult. It's very surreal. So if you're worried about picking up YA, I wouldn't. And then the last one is The Chill by Scott Carson. And that one is, it's actually blurbed by Stephen King. So it's much more in that King-esque kind of horror. And there is, I, I, I don't want to give anything away, but uh, the body count rises for that one, yes. <laughs> what are some examples, uh, aside from the reservoir-based books, of the roles the Catskills play in the more recent books that you've discovered? Part of it is that isolation, right? The idea of a getaway often has gone very wrong. There are a few books in that. There's one called The Perfect Getaway that involves a failed road trip uh, that ends in and around the town of Catskill there. And that one is more mystery thriller. Rachel Harrison's The Return 
is set in a very funky hotel in the Catskills, which I did ask her if it was based on the Roxbury. And she said it wasn't. It's actually based on a different hotel altogether. But when I was reading it, that was what I had in mind. So there's this idea, right, that you go on vacation, you're cut off from the world, there's no cell service, which we're improving. And then whether it's the environment or something else, you are isolated and things go badly. So that's definitely one of the tropes. One of the others is this mystery kind of series, particularly the cozy mysteries I find interesting, though even though they're not my cup of tea normally. There's a new series that's a lot of fun called The Catskills Pet Rescue Mysteries. There's another set in the Borscht Belt in the 1950s. And those use the setting very differently, obviously, than the horror novels, because those are much more in that quaint small town vibe. There might be sort of bad things happening. Again, they're cozy mysteries, so it never gets too grotesque. But you have these small communities full of quirky characters. So it's interesting to see authors play with this setting in completely different ways. And in terms of the books that you've discovered lately, do you have a short list of recommendations? Sure. One of the most recent you mentioned at the beginning is Just Like Mother by Anne Heltzel. And that one is very much in the thriller horror genre. Lots of trigger warnings um, for sexual assault and things like that. But I read a lot of horror and it takes a lot to freak me out. And that was one that hit some very personal fear things for me. So that doesn't sound like a recommendation, but that is set as a high recommendation coming from me. And and in that one, for instance, what role does the Catskills play? Is it background or does it have a, a starring role? Or It does for the majority of the action of the book. It doesn't take place exclusively in the Catskills, but the main character is through a couple of tragedies that you come to realize maybe were not accidents, um, ends up spending time with a close friend who I can't give too much away, that relationship, who is running sort of a, seems like kind of a new agey women's empowerment retreat in this big grand house in the Catskills, very isolated. And again, things are maybe not quite what they seem. So if you if you like a good cult novel also, that's not giving too much away. That's a good choice also, but that's one that definitely plays on the isolation for sure. One of the books that's also sort of recent came out in 2021 that is more of a multi-generational family drama is Elisa Friedman's Last Summer at the Golden Hotel, which is very much in that Borscht Belt literature legacy, but uh, an updated take. And it's these two intertwined families whose patriarchs founded this Borscht Belt Hotel, and as we unfortunately know from much of the history of the Borscht Belt, are struggling to deal with the decline. So you get the perspective of multiple members of each of their families and the secrets and all of these things that they have hidden over the years as they really try to figure out what to do going forward. So that one is a lot of fun. And if you're not into all of the spooky books I am. That is just a really good 
uh, literary fiction read. And uh, maybe one or two other spooky books that, uh, since that's your genre yes, of choice. Yes, yes. Um, one of them is also kind of a middle grade book, but doesn't read middle grade. Also very surreal and strange. It's Elizabeth Burns' The Gravekeepers. And I feel like I don't see enough people talk about this book. It came out in the 20-teens, I believe. Elizabeth Byrne, her grandparents, I believe, lived outside of Wyndham. So she has these memories, even though she's not from the Catskills, of being in this area. And though she fictionalizes the town that the book is set in, it's very much that area of kind of the northern Catskills, the Green County Catskills. So if you know that area and you read it, you're like, oh, I know what you're talking about. The premise of that one is basically it's this family and they are caretakers of this cemetery, but it's in this culture. There's this strange culture of gravekeeping. So basically when you come of age, you get your grave and there's a ceremony with it and you sort of personalize it and people will spend time alive in and around their graves. So it's just a really interesting, it's not particularly scary. It's a little spooky, but not not scary, but a really interesting take and very Catskills. I wish more people knew about that one. And then one of my favorites and actually one of the books that sparked this project was The Hotel Never Sank by Adam O'Fallon Price. This is a novel, but also functions as interconnected short stories. And it's another kind of failing Borscht Belt hotel through multiple generations of this family. But there's also this undercurrent of through the years, some children have gone missing. So there's a little bit of a mystery. It's a family drama. Uh, It is a little bit gothic horror, and there is one chapter in particular that I have read multiple times because it is brilliant, and it's told from one of the characters, but as he's doing sort of a Borscht Belt comedian set that slowly kind of becomes maybe too personal and not so funny and reveals a lot, but the, the writing of that is really, really brilliant. I highly recommend The Hotel Never Sink. Where do you get your books? Do you buy them or library or uh, I see a a stack of real books here. So I know you're not using an e-reader, but um, yeah. Uh, It is really a mix. I am a huge library supporter, both our local libraries. And as I mentioned, New York Public Library and Brooklyn Public Library for physical books. I try to go to the library first and foremost. If I want to own something or if there's something I can't get through the library, local bookstores, please support any of our local bookstores. Mine is Briars and Brambles Books in Wyndham. Uh, So a little shout out to them. Recommend checking it out. I also am a huge audiobook listener. So if something is available on audio, that tends to be these days even my preferred format as I you know, commute. <laughs> it's uh, it's a good good way to get a lot of words in. Audiobooks are great for Catskill drives. You yourself are a writer with, as your website bio states, a penchant for the bizarre and forgotten. And you're a specialist in animal history. What does that mean? And how does it tie into your latest writing project? Sure. So I am a historian by training. So I love stories and words and the past and 
the things that I gravitate toward do tend to be from sort of the, the fringes of history, I guess you could say. My first book is, it's about the city of Elmira, where I was living at that time, but it's all sorts of strange stories about that town, uh, lesser known histories. I am working on a project in animal history right now, doing a little reconceptualizing of it, but it is about canine celebrity in the late 19th century, focusing on two train riding dogs from New York's Capital District. We veered into nonfiction here. This sounds made up, but it is true, I, I promise. So that is around the back cultural history of the Gilded Age. But I'm also working very slowly on a series of nonfiction essays about horror in the Catskills, because as you can tell, that is an interest of mine. But that this kind of use of the Catskills as a setting for horror goes back much further than the books that have come out recently. Like, I think you can read Rip Van Winkle as a horror story, for example. So that one is something I'm plugging along very slowly on, but I do have research interests that are related to a lot of this also. Can you talk a little bit about that one dog in particular that you're researching and has its own companion site that launches from yours? Yes. So the book is a dual biography of... Oni, who is the postal mascot, who is relatively well-known. Um, he had his own postage stamp. He's been the subject of many children's books. And his contemporary, who actually predated him slightly, Railroad Jack, who was a train-riding terrier out of Albany, who has been largely forgotten, except by people like me, <laughs> 19th century dog enthusiasts. And there is sort of an enduring mystery about him because when he died in 1893, his body was taxidermied and then somehow lost. So I have been trying to determine what happened to a hundred and... 30-something-year-old dog corpse, unsuccessfully so far. So if any listeners have any moth-eaten taxidermy in their attic, uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested. If you think it might be Railroad Jack, um, not, not in taxidermy other than that, only very specifically 1890s dog taxidermy. <laughs> that project is, is ongoing, but hopefully will be finished sometime soon. And in addition to your research and writing, you've taken a new job in Cooperstown. So tell me about that. Sure. So I am uh, in the communications department and the social media specialist at the Fenimore Art Museum and the Farmers Museum in Cooperstown. I have been there since July. So I am in a, in a really nice position where I get to both be able to look at folk art when I want and all day, uh, have access to our research library, and then also be able to go over to the farm and see the calves and the sheep and ride the carousel. It's a pretty nice work setup, if I have to say so myself. Um, so really, my job is just kind of spreading the word about all of the, the cool exhibits and programs that we have going on. Great. And how do we keep track of you, Kelly? Sure. Uh, so I have a website, which is kellyhuggins.com, and it's K-E-L-L-I-H-U-G-G-I-N-S. And I am still on Twitter, and that is at Kelly Huggins. You can find me at either of those places. Kelly, thank you so much. It's great to see you again. And I'm looking forward to uh, reading a couple of these suggestions. Yeah, I uh, would love to know if uh, anybody tries any of them out and what you think. 
You can find links to Kelly's book picks in the show notes. For more, check out catscast.com, where you can search all our shows, sign up for our newsletter, make a donation, or just say hello. Catscast is a bi-weekly production of Silver Hollow Audio. This episode edited by Allison Aaron. I'm Brett Barry. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.